0: Welcome back to Empire Sports Talk. We've been off for a few weeks as I adjust to Craig, Colorado. Beautiful Craig, Colorado, I should add. Um, but this is Max O'Neill alongside Joe Tesco. Today on the show, we are going to be discussing Amy Ang becoming the first woman GM in MLB history, being hired by the Marlins. Whether 1993 will repeat itself, for Notre Dame, um, who's going to win the Masters, Golden Tate, uh, Saga with the Giants, Rick Petito talking about uh, moving the season back, and more, so thank you for tuning in, again, this is Max O'Neill alongside Joe Tedesco. so Joe, we're going to jump right into it here with Amy A- Ang being named the General Manager of the Miami Marlins. Do you think she's going to do a good job? Do you think this is a good hire?
1: First of all, welcome back again. Like you said, Max, uh, enjoying Colorado over there. I hope you are. I know it's a little colder, but, you know, that's the life that you picked. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's going to be something good for you, a good experience. Uh, you know, meet new people. Enjoy the Rockies. Um, so, Yeah. In terms of this hiring by, uh, you know, essentially Jeter had something to do with it. I think it's a good thing. I mean, obviously Jeter saw something in her that uh, other people, I guess, haven't seen. And, you know, she made history as the first woman GM ever. Um, I think it's, uh, it's a good thing. Listen, I have no problem with a woman stepping into power like that you know as as long as she could do as good a job as a man then you know anything is possible and she just proved that so um i i don't know exactly her background and history in terms of uh scouting new players but um you know i think at the end of the day uh she deserved it because i did read a story that she worked up she started as an intern in MLB. So she literally worked herself up on the bottom and is now a GM. Um, and, uh, you know, Derek Jeter definitely saw something in her that uh, thinks that she could build a franchise around the Marlins. And, and listen, like I said, if she does as good a job as, um, you know, every single man GM that there has been out there, then, you know, she deserves the job.
0: I agree. I think she's, she's been, she certainly has experience. She's been in baseball for 30 years, 30 plus years. Um, she's spent 20 of those around 20 of those years in front offices of the White Sox, the Yankees and the Dodgers. Um, she's won three world series in her front office experience. Um, so, you know, it's certainly a huge step for sports in this country um especially if she does really well and she continues to help them rebuild and make the playoffs and make some runs in the playoffs like they did this year i think it's you know huge and i think also if you are you know i think um she is a role model as well because I think if you're, you know, a little girl in this country who loves baseball, but you don't think that there's a spot in baseball for you, now this proves that there is a spot in baseball for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's always harder for a woman just because, you know, it's it's never been uh, a position of power for a woman to be a GM in, in baseball, and, um, you know – she proved that um, a woman could step into power and get that position. Uh, she hasn't proved yet that, you know, she could do – a woman could do as good of a job because there hasn't been a woman yet. That's just saying that. But I think she will, at the end of the day, I think she'll do a good job. I mean, with Jeter behind her, she could definitely uh, have some baseball knowledge from him as long as – with the other baseball knowledge that she already has. So she's going to um, learn a lot from this position. And um, I think, you know, it'll be uh it'll be a good thing for the MLB.
0: Yeah.
1: I think, um, I w- think,
0: I hope she does a good job because I think if she doesn't do a good job and you know, she gets fired in three years because they lose a hundred games or whatever, every year. Um, I think that will be, unfortunately, and this is very unfortunate, but I think this will be, this will be a, um, that would be a step back for women in high profile positions of power in sports in this country. I agree that with That sucks. You. I think, uh, you know, they. I think that's just the
1: reality. Unfortunately, I mean, That's what people are going to – because she's the only example they have as a whole in baseball to use. So, you know, this is – a lot of women are going to be rooting for her. This is her chance for every other woman to, um, you know, have a chance as well. Yes. Not to say that there won't be opportunity for other women, but I think it will be a lot harder if – you know, unfortunately, if she – like you said, has some losing seasons. Yes.
0: I, uh, I think the what Jeter is doing with the Yankees' connection is interesting because Jeter has kept Don Manley, who, of course, you know, legendary Yankee, Yankee bench coach, et cetera. Uh, as soon as Jeter bought the Marlins, he brought in the Yankee scouting director, Gary Denbo, to be his uh, – vice president of baseball operations and scouting. And now Amy Yang, who worked for the Yankees as well. And so he's trying to build, you know, Yankees South a little bit there in the front office, especially.
1: Yeah, I think Jeter's doing a good job at starting to rebuild the Marlins. Obviously, he's he's going in the right direction with this year the Marlins making the playoffs. Yes, it was a shortened season, but – that's just momentum right there that they have. They could say, yeah, we were in the playoffs now, you know, and we have a stepping stone. Um, so, and that gives her uh, momentum too. So she's going to try to carry that momentum into next season and let's see what she could do. Let's see what kind of move she makes.
0: Um, and so talking really quickly, continuing to talk here, Joe, about Kim Ang, I think that this is a watershed moment in a sense for this, in what has been a watershed moment this entire year for minorities, um, this has been a watershed moment. Jeter, Derek Jeter, who hired Kim Aang, is the first Black owner of a sports team in um, American sports history. He has hired a woman COO. Now he's hired a um, Asian American um, GM, and. I'm not obviously equating a general manager to a vice president, but this is also the same league where the American people have elected a um, minority, black, Indian American, uh, an African American, Indian American um, vice president to the White House. And so I think these are very significant steps for this country moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, like I said before, um, I think it opens up more opportunity for you know people that thought um, it wasn't, you know, it's something that uh, they they were ne- never able to have a shot at doing, like uh, a woman GM or um, even a woman VP. Um, you know, it's something that uh, this country is, you know, in the direction of becoming more diverse. And Jeter, with the Marlins, you know, him being, uh, I guess, yeah, the first black owner, um, half black, uh, you know, it's a good thing. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, in, in my perspective, you know, I don't care who you are. Um, if you do a good job, you're getting hired woman different color race you know different ethnicity background if you do a good job and you have the potential to do it um you know i believe they should be hired and i believe that they have they should have at least the opportunity to be hired and now there's going to be more opportunity for a woman to become you know higher power in uh mlb organization
0: i agree I agree.
1: I think um,
0: that that this off season will be really interesting to see what kind of moves she makes in her first season as general manager of the Marlins, and I think what moves the Mets make um, is also going to be a really interesting storyline for this off season um, for baseball. You know, to want, now that they have a new owner who was willing to spend a ton of money.
1: Yeah, the Mets, listen, they're trying to compete as much as they can. Not only the Yankees, but all the baseball. I mean, Steve Cohen has, I, I don't know, his, his net worth near $10 You He just bought the Mets for a couple billion. They're going to be spending, and he's going to be willing to spend over that luxury tax. He's going to be willing to sign big players for big contracts. So the Mets are kind of in that same conversation now as the Yankees where they could spend money. They have money to burn.
0: Uh, apparently, uh, according to Investopedia, Steve Cohen is worth $14.6 billion. So,
1: Okay, so he's – he could buy almost half the Major League Baseball franchises. I mean, that's how much money this guy's got. Yes, he has a lot of money. Uh huh. And it worries me as a Yankee fan because that means that it's going to attract other free agents to the Mets. Yes. Unfortunately for us, it's going to attract other players. But I think the Yegu's brand
0: is still more powerful than the Mets brand at the moment. I think at least for a few years until they really build a contender in the, in Queens, I think you still look at the Yankees as this 27-time world champion, this team who, you know, is – who has all these good young players and has the history of, you know
1: – Yeah, no, um, I, I agree. Ruth
0: to on down. The,
1: the franchise history has so much more. Um, they're winning fra- – they're winning – historical franchise. And but brainer. I think that Cohen... Dude, I Cohen think the,
0: sorry, go ahead.
1: No, you're good. So I was just going to say, Cohen, he just brings the money to the table for him to spend for Sandy Alderson, who they brought back to spend more money on free agents to uh, really compete.
0: Yeah. Um, and And so now we're moving on to the... MVP, it was just announced the other day. And somehow, I do not understand this, Joe. Maybe you could explain this to me. But somehow, DJ Lemayu finished in third place behind Jose Barrio, the winner, and Jose Ramirez, the second place finisher. How does that happen, Joe? Genuinely, how the hell does that happen?
1: I really don't know. You're asking the wrong person. Lemayhew deserved that 100%. Um, Now, people can go back and they could say, well, you know, Bray, you won it, but it was only a 60-game season. I think it still counts at the end of the day. I mean, you're playing – everyone played the same amount of games during the season, so. Obviously, it still counts. Some people do say, though, it doesn't count because it was so short of a season. They're going to put an asterisk on it like everything else. But at the end of the day, I think LeMahieu deserved the MVP. This is the second time in his career that he got robbed. I think I think he got robbed, um I think he deserved a little bit more money with the Yankees when he signed. The Yankees stole him, and I also think he should have won this MVP. His upcoming contract, uh, that he will sign will definitely be a lot more. Yes. Which is good for him, but he got robbed of this guy Abreu, who had a good season, but he's he's no LeMayu.
0: I agree. I think DJ the um I think all you need to think about DJ the is that when that this season when he missed ten games, the has went two and seven in that stretch. hmm And every time over the last two years, I mean obviously you can't do it award on two years, you could only do it on one season. But every time over the last two years, and this is why they should re-sign him, they needed a big hit. He was the one to come up with that hit. This year, in the wild card game, game two against the Indians, he hit that uh, hit in like the eighth or ninth inning, whatever it was, to take the lead. It wasn't Judge. It wasn't Stanton. It wasn't Voight. It wasn't Sanchez, you know, whatever. It was DJ LeMayu. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And it should have been LeMayhu this year, but unfortunately it wasn't. Now with the NL MVP, Freddie Freeman, I believe deserved it hundred percent. This guy, throughout his career, I feel like the older he gets, the better he gets. He hits the baseball so well. I mean, he he's one of those rare guys that I still bats for average. You know, he's not just crazy, a home run man. hitter.
0: What'd you say? I disagree. I think you're crazy. Why? I think Mookie Betts should've won it. Mookie no. Betts here. He lived up to that contract. He hit two ninety two with sixteen home runs, twenty four walks, and thirty nine RBIs. Whereas Freddie Freeman
1: Freddie Freeman had a much better average.
0: Hit 341 with 13 home runs, 45 walks, 53 RBIs, and 73 hits. Uh, Yeah. So both played – Mookie played five games less but hit more home runs. um, Struck out less – or struck out one more strikeout. Walked a little bit less. Had less hits. Okay, so I guess I've convinced myself that Freddie Freeman.
1: Yeah, you you didn't look at the stats. That <laughs> I I think that the home runs he only had three more. I mean that's not much to say. Yeah, I I, I really think three forty one at the end of the year. Yeah, it was a shortened year, but nobody does that anymore. You're right. And I think he hit enough home runs to be in that conversation. He hit thirteen and. He had, um, you know, over 50 RBIs. Freeman, to me, is an unbelievable uh, baseball hitter. I mean, when he steps in the box, it's not him looking for a home run. He's looking to get on base, and he's looking to hit line drives. He hits more balls in the gap than – or down the line, I should say, than any other player, I think, in baseball. He's really an average – Four average hitter that is very rare in today's game, and like right. I said, the older he gets, the better.
0: You're right. I think it's insane how uh, he's. I'd argue he's the best first baseman in baseball. I don't think that that's a you know huge stretch. Do you?
1: No, I don't. I don't. I think. I think. Uh, there's other guys that are up there with him, but, yeah, he he's among the best first basemen in baseball. Yes. Um, he's just somebody that uh, is very unique compared to other players. You're right. And um, hitting for average is the biggest reason why.
0: And finishing second to the end, was Mookie Betts. Third was Machado. I thought Machado had a great year, but I don't think he deserved to win the MVP ahead of Freddie Freeman or Mookie Betts. No,
1: nah, no, no, no. I don't think so.
0: Um, and
1: looking back for two seconds
0: at the American League, um, the fifth-place finisher, what Ninth place finisher was Luke Voigt. So he should have been higher, I think, a little bit. I would have put him over at least Nelson Cruz, who was in sixth. Maybe I had a Brandon Lau and Tim Anderson, I think, should have been higher. I would have swapped Shane Bieber in fourth and Tim Anderson in sixth, or in seventh, excuse me, and Voigt and uh, Nelson Cruz. So my top seven would have been LeMahieu, Aubreyu, Ramirez, Trout, um, Voight, or excuse me, Anderson, Voight. So, I think that was seven. I uh, got confused on my numbers. but No, you're good. Um, and so, moving on now, Joe, to some college football discussions. So, for those for our viewers that don't know, back in nineteen ninety-three, Notre Dame at home beat Florida State, the number the then number one team in the country. And then the next week they went to Boston College and lost. Will that repeat itself today, Joe? They just beat Clemson at home, the number one team in the country last week. Now they're going to BC this week. Will BC and former Notre Dame quarterback, I should add, Phil Dracovic, pull the upset over the number two ranked Fighting Irish today?
1: I think they'll stay undefeated. Listen, they just beat – I still believe is a better team than Notre Dame because of Trevor Lawrence. They just beat the best team in the nation. So they, you know, deserve credit uh, where credit's due tremendously. They, you know – Came back, won in overtime, Um, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, they're a good football team. So, I I do think that they'll stay undefeated for sure. I think um,
0: it's arguably – it is easily the biggest win of the Brian Kelly era and the biggest win of my time watching Notre Dame football that I think – I think what's going to happen today in this game against Boston college is I think Notre Dame is going to kind of be asleep in the first half. They're going to be sleeping through saying, Oh, we just beat Clemson. We're still really excited off that. Let's, we can kind of wake up late for this game and sleep through this first half. And so they will go down by like a field goal or touchdown at halftime. And then Brian Kelly is going to say, wake the hell up. Here's some coffee and go in the second half and score, like, 14, 21
1: points and win the game. Yeah, I believe that could be the case. I mean, like I said, they came back against, in my opinion, even without Trevor Lawrence, you know, with the COVID thing. um, They have a great defense, Clemson, and they went and they scored a – you know, they were able to come back and win in overtime – which was remarkable. And, uh, you know, the reaction from the fans said it all when they ran onto the field.
0: What do you think of that? That's something we could talk about too. On the um, There was a lot of controversy, which I understood about those students running onto the field in the middle of a pandemic, you know, not socially distancing, not wearing masks, et cetera. What do you think of that?
1: Well, I think that either you hire more security and cops so that you they block off the whole field or you're not going to prevent that from happening that is literally part of college football either you I don't agree. play either you don't play college football from preventing that from happening or it's going to happen from a team that made a comeback like that i don't care if the world is ending they're going to still run on the field i agree i think
0: that um I think while I'm not out and out defending their actions, because I think it is stupid to run on the field in the middle of a pandemic, I think it's hard to control yourself at that moment in time. I think it's easy to sit here from the outside looking in and say, oh, what a bunch of jerks, not what a bunch of idiots running on the field. But I think it's a lot harder to say that when you're a 21-year-old college kid and your college football team just beat Clemson and you're, you know, three drinks in and you're really excited.
1: Yeah, there's no chance you're going to stop that. Those kids that were at that game, they clearly, just like most kids in college right now, don't care about the pandemic. They just don't. They want to have fun. They want to live their life as anyone else will would during uh normal times while they're young you know just doing what they want to do you're not going to stop it I'm telling you it's either you cancel the game or um you know it's uh it's just not preventable
0: I agree a little bit and so This leads directly Joe into a beautiful transition. So we have done a great job with this one. 15 games today have been canceled or postponed because of COVID. Um, How do, how do these programs fix this problem? How does college football as a whole fix itself from the inside? And stop having games canceled because I think every week so far this season, at least two or three games have been
1: postponed or canceled because of uh, the pandemic. You're just not so during this time, you know, that they, we they've tried everything. I mean, you could try as much as you want, you're not going to be able to do a bubble during college football, and if you can't do a bubble, then this is going to happen. I mean, everybody so in college no football.
0: Huh? So you think there's just no choice and we have to put up with having – We have to put up with it. There's,
1: Yes. There is no – it's impossible. It is absolutely impossible to prevent games from being canceled if you're not in a bubble. You could say I as much you should as bubble you to these kids saying, uh, yeah, stay inside. Don't go out, don't meet up with your girlfriend. It's not going to happen, I'm telling you. I think they should bubble them. You can't bubble college football. It's impossible to to bubble them. There's too many teams.
0: I think you can bubble individual teams on campus, in campus hotels or whatever, in college town hotels. You know, I think every person to a room every two people to a room whatever three people whatever um and so you know if you have to sequester one room because two people in that room have it you can and sort of limit the spread that way but i think you can put them i know that i saw um duke basketball i saw a video a few weeks ago, them and they were they weren't moving into their dorms when they were moving in back in like August. They were moving into a hotel on campus.
1: And I, I mean, you could you could do as much as like you could try to have as much precautions as possible, but you know, without a bubble and without a vaccine, I think you really can't. You really can't prevent it. It's it's like telling, it's like trying to train a dog not to fetch a bone when you throw it. It's like, it won't happen. It it's really, it's something that we talked about on every episode, and that's my perspective. And hopefully, this vaccine from Pfizer, that's ninety percent effective, actually you know comes into play sooner rather than later. Everyone gets the vaccine, and hopefully, it prevents people from getting it as much as you know possible so that we can kind of go back to normal
0: but i think it's going to be a while before we're back to normal though because i think even if you have the vaccine i think societally people are going to be hesitant to go back to normal immediately
1: yeah you're right i'm just saying we're it, it'll get us back to normal sooner rather than later i think with the vaccine you're right so, I think
0: i disagree with you though i think in your point about how you kind of just have to put up with 15 games being canceled a week or postponed. I think there's things you have to do. I think you have to take better precautions. You have to discipline players by suspending them or, you know, disciplining them in some other matter manner. If they disobey the team rules of, you know, socially distancing, if they get
1: caught going to a party or whatever and they get COVID. Okay. So so suspend Trevor Lawrence and then see how many people actually watch the game.
0: A lot of people watch the Notre Dame-Clemson game and Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing.
1: I'm just saying, if you suspend a star player, it's going to affect the program dramatically in terms of winning. I mean, people, they want their school to win a championship, and if you suspend a guy like Lawrence or Justin Fields on Ohio State, for doing something, you know, wrong with, with COVID or, you know, going against the COVID protocols. It's not going to be a good look on the, uh,
0: the program. 10.17 million people watched Notre Dame Clemson on last weekend. So what are you talking about? If you spend
1: Trevor Lawrence, nobody will watch the game. I think there'll be less people watching the game because people are waiting for Lawrence to get to the NFL or just any star in college in general. And, you know, they'll watch it for fun, but they're not going to have as much interest, I think, that if someone were suspended for COVID protocols. um
0: And... So moving ahead here, who who is your pick right now, Joe, to win the Masters? Right now at the current moment, as we're recording this, Dustin Johnson in the third round here is ahead. Um, he is in first place. He is five under today, 14 under total, uh, ahead of some – Guy named Anser. Well, I don't know who that is. I apologize. I'm not a huge golf person. Abraham Anser, who's 11 under. Justin Thomas is in third place, is tied for second. And also 11 under. Um, looking at some other notable names. Brooks Kepka is tied for 15th. Tiger is tied for 20th. So who
1: wins, Joe? Um, I either say Tiger or Spieth. Tiger, because he's Tiger. He has a winning history. And uh, Jordan Spieth, because he is a phenomenal golfer. Um, And uh, listen, Dustin Johnson has the chance to win it. He's in the lead right now, minus 14. So I think at the end of the day, he could come away with a uh, green jacket because he's leading by a good amount of points. But you got to remember, Tiger Woods, you know, when he comes on that course, he gets into people's heads. I mean, they just look at Tiger, and they're like, oh, my God, here he comes. And people just move out of the way. He's like Moses.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a little sacrilege, but okay. (laughs) I think he lost that, though. Once he started getting hurt, once his wife beat him with the golf club and he crashed his car, I think he lost that, like, mystique about him. And he hasn't really been the same since then. But I think – so my pick to win, I'm going to go to a guy who is right now um, tied for ninth at eight under. He's five under today. I'm going to say that Rory McIlroy who is, has climbed up 19 spots today, um, has, from yesterday to today, has, or is going to climb all the way, or the rest of the way up, and have a great performance tomorrow in the final round, and win the Masters.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, it's going to be an interesting tournament. Um You know, fans don't really affect the Masters or just golf in general as much as other sports, but um, I agree. I do think it does have a, it still has an effect. So at the end of the day. um, They don't
0: need those people holding the stupid signs that say, quiet, please, in front of the gallery.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true.
0: Those people. So it's quiet
1: regardless. Those are jobs that
0: uh, have been killed by the pandemic at the moment.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I can't believe that. But I think it's going to be Dustin Johnson, Tiger Woods, and uh, Jordan Spieth going to make that comeback.
0: Okay. So you say Tiger or Dustin Johnson or Jordan Spieth. I am picking one. I'm going to say Rory McIlroy. Uh makes the climb all the way up and wins the twenty twenty right. masters. If
1: we're gonna if we're gonna pick one, um I'll go with Tiger.
0: Okay. So you say Tiger, I say Rory.
1: I say Tiger.
0: They even picked it on game day today. Game the Who college game day was at the Masters this morning. Really? Yeah and they picked uh they picked the Masters I uh, I think if I remember right, um, Corso picked uh, – I think he picked Justin Thomas, who's tied for second right now if I remember right. So uh, we'll see if he remains undefeated this season because Lee Corso is undefeated this season. Um, and so – Moving along now to Golden Tate and the New York football giants. In two weeks ago, in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Giants game, he screamed in the camera, Throw me the ball. His wife has complained on social media. He has complained publicly. So he was suspended last week. What should the Giants do with him? They apparently, I believe, tried to trade him and nobody wanted him. Um, so what would you do, Joe, with Golden Tate?
1: I think he's really – he's a good competitor, but he's just like a distraction. Um, when it comes to something like this, it's just going to distract the whole team. The Giants won a week ago. They got a little momentum. Uh, big game coming up, you know, divisional game this this weekend. And now they've got to deal with this distraction. So it's like – I, I don't know if I would cut him. Maybe I would sit him out a game, just so he like learns a lesson. But you know he's competitive. At the end of the day, I've always saw him as like some kind of distraction.
0: Do you buy his apology? He he apologized yesterday. Do you buy it?
1: I mean. We'll we'll see. I mean, if he continues his behavior, then obviously his apology was just, it was a hoax, but uh, I think, listen, he's a good receiver. He's always been a good receiver. He's a great competitor, but you can't be doing this when you just came off a win and you're playing a divisional opponent that you're a game out of first and they're in first place. I agree. You know, and you have a young quarterback that you're trying to set an example for. And he's one of, you're one of his weapons. And now, you know, I, don't, I don't know how much it's going to affect Daniel Jones, but it could distract him potentially, maybe saying, um, you know, taking his mind off his reps during practice.
0: I don't think the Giants even really, honestly, and this might come as a hot take here. I don't think they need him anymore. I mean, I hey, think
1: he hasn't been targeted that much this year, anyway.
0: I think they have enough. I, I don't think the Giants wide receiver depth chart is very good at all. Um, but Dante Pettis played very well last week. You know, you have Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and C, like CJ Board and Austin Mack. But I think Darius is really good. I think Sterling Shepard, when he's healthy, is really good. And then I think you can fill in the rest with, like, pretty good players. Dante Pettis is a decent player. He played well last week. Let's see if he plays well again tomorrow. Um, But I think you can trade Golden Tate for, like, a second or third-round pick and be okay Um, moving forward. And maybe draft if you get, like, a – Second or third round pick for you know uh, and you' thinking about a receiver there, I think you could draft somebody to replace him in the second or third round
1: at the end of the day, they got him just to help out the receiving core, but um, I think that you are also right where they it's like you know he's there for veteran leadership, and now he's, he's acting like a fool. Yes.
0: He should be unchecked and a fool.
1: If he makes a ridiculous play or like a foolish error, then he definitely should be.
0: Yeah, and um, I think I just think it's unprofessional when you are, you know complaining to a TV camera, throw me the ball. Like, I think it's okay if you say on the sidelines privately to Daniel Jones, hey, let me get more effing touches or whatever. But I think if you bring it to the public and your wife posts on Instagram or whatever it was, I think that's when it really crosses the line. I think you leave your business in the building. Um. And moving along here. Uh, today Rick Patino, the Iona Gales coach and legendary Louisville coach, tweeted, quote, "Save the season, move the start back. Play league schedule and have may madness. Spiking and protocols make it easy, impossible to play right now. Uh, do you agree with him, Joe? Do you think that they should move the start of the bat, uh, start of the season back? from when it usually starts, which if the world was normal, we would be in full swing of college basketball right now. Um, but do you think they don't have a start date right now? Do you think they should move it back from where they are discussing, I believe?
1: Um, I, you know, I wouldn't mind them moving it back, and I understand why they would. Um, so maybe so- Rick as has a point. Right now, it's supposed
0: to start on November 25th. Sorry to interrupt you, Joe. Would you move that back?
1: So, we know enough about COVID of of what exactly it's about, what it's going to do. So, I don't know how much that will work because, you know, a month from now, unless we have the vaccine, unless it's like, effective to the point where, you know, you could play without masks, which it's not going to happen. Um, I believe moving it back doesn't help too much. I think that they should, you know, just start when they start. Um, Now, what they could do is they could just possibly, like, cut the regular season and just kind of do, like, a tournament because – just last year's tournament was canceled so why not just kind of just do a tournament in general and that way you have a bubble that's so much easier to do a bubble that way instead of traveling around the country um playing other teams and risking you know getting covid the risk goes up so maybe they could do that but it, going back to your question i think um it uh, it won't help out college basketball.
0: Um, And so you said that you would just do a tournament. Um, So you're wiping out the regular season entirely. You're not doing like mini tournaments like they have every year. You know, they have – three or four mini tournaments, you know, the 2K Classic at the Garden or,
1: you know, whatever whatever it is. Yeah, so I would like that, but like I said, it's harder to do a bubble that way. And the bubble, a bubble in general right now is the only way we know COVID's going to uh, be prevented. So doing a tournament, it's much easier to do a bubble that way. And if, you know, they want to continue the season without cancellation of games, then maybe they should try it. But that's a a suggestion, and it probably won't happen.
0: (laughs) I think it's a terrible idea, Joe. I think you have to play the game. I think what you could and should do is have regional matchups, like we talked about last time on the podcast, sort of. And so only the ACC teams play each other. Let's just have that going on. And so teams don't have to travel, you know, all over the country um, like a normal season when they would only have, you know, the SEC teams play just conference bubbles, mini bubbles in conference play only. And if you have to delay the season to get that done because you can't get that done in the next 10 days, then I think you push it back for, you know, till December 1st or so.
1: Okay, but we can't complain then when there's cancellations because we know there's going to be cancellations. Regardless of if they're playing just ACC teams in that section or region, they're still traveling. It's not like they're staying in one specific area. So You're right. You know, we can't get upset when the games get canceled. Okay.
0: I think – that no matter if they're traveling from New York to LA or just traveling from New York to Westchester, the games are going to get canceled. So why not have a less likely chance of the games getting canceled traveling from Riverdale to Westchester than from, you know, uh, Riverdale
1: to Tennessee or whatever. Yeah, you can do that. You can. I'm just saying that it, games will still be canceled. I mean, it'll be less likely to be canceled, I guess. Because you're not traveling as far, but um, games will definitely still be canceled. There, There's no, no question about that. I don't think you can do anything to prevent that, though. You can't.
0: I think if we could wave our magic wands and prevent that somebody would have waved their magic wand already
1: yes i agree with you but so that goes back to college football you know you can't you, you just have to, to live with it right now with uh games being canceled because there's no bubble and it, it'll happen the same way with college basketball mark my words it's unfortunate but it's gonna happen If there's no bubble,
0: let's jump right back into it here, Joe, with the NFL picks. First game on the schedule is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Panthers, and the Carolina Panthers. Tampa's five and a half point favorites. Who you got, Joe?
1: Tampa all the way. Brady is pissed off about last week. Um, you know he they got blown out. I mean, it was just simple. They got, you know, they got handed to uh, by New Orleans, Sean Payton, Drew Brees. Their defense just shut down the Buccaneers, and I think that next week they'll win against uh, Carolina. And I don't don't think it'll be close.
0: Um, I think,
1: yeah, I think that
0: Brady's going to want to prove something. He really, as you said, kind of – you know, crapped the bed last weekend. Um, And so I think he's going to want to prove something. Um, And so we got the Jacksonville Jaguars going to Green Bay. Green Bay is 13-point favorites. I'm going to take the pack all day. I don't really think we need to talk about this too much.
1: Yeah, Packers should take this easily at home. It should be a landslide. Aaron Rodgers will do the discount double-check a few times, and then they'll walk out of there with a win.
0: Yes, Texans at Browns. The Browns are three and a half point favorites. Give me the Browns.
1: I take the Browns too, but I think this is going to be a close game. Um, Deshaun Watson. Uh, are you taking the three Never and a half? Never lose hope in that, Huh?
0: Are you taking the three and a half? I'm going to take the three, or I'm going to take the over on this one. I think it's going to be more than three and a half.
1: Um. I'll take the over as well, but I think it'll be a close game. I think there'll be a lot of turnovers in this game. Um, I think Baker is going to throw maybe a couple picks, Um, but the Browns are going to have to rely on their run game, and I think they're going to run over that Texans defense.
0: And uh, the game that we will be watching, Eagles at Giants. Philly is three-and-a-half-point favorites. Do the Giants get their third win of the season and move closer to first place in the NFC East, or do they fall to 2-8 and eight and fall further into the basement of the NFC East? Uh, what do you think, Joe?
1: I'm going to take the Giants. I think they got the momentum. I think Carson Wentz throws way too many picks. The Giants' defense has been good. Uh they've been in games, you know. They it's not like they've been blown out. Um and they're at home. Uh yeah, there's no fans, but I think there's still a little bit of uh effectiveness with uh being at home. Um and Carson Wentz has thrown way too many turnovers. Uh especially I mean, last weekend that was an ugly win. And if the Giants, listen, if Daniel Jones holds on to the ball, they'll they'll win the game.
0: I agree. I think if they clean things up, I think that the Giants can get this win, but I think that something will come back to bite them again, as it has many times this season, like in the last time the Eagles played or the Giants, Evan Ingram's drop that would have sealed the game. I think something along those lines will happen. Some mistake, some key penalty, a fumble, whatever case may be, and the Giants are going to fall to 2-8 and eight on the season. Um, what kind of Giants fan are you? A smart Giants fan. Uh-huh, and right. now we have the Washington football team going to Detroit to face the Lions. Do you have WFT or do you have the Lions? The Lions are three-and-a-half-point favorites.
1: I'll take the Lions. I think we got another close game here, but they're at home. Um Washington they they've been terrible on offense, terrible. And the Lions uh at the end of the day, I think Stafford has just more experience um than the Redskins and their offense. So I think I think it'll be close, but I'll take the Lions.
0: Now we go to the Bills, who are seven and two against the going to Arizona, the five and three Arizona Cardinals. Arizona's two and a half point favorites here. Who you got?
1: I'm going with Arizona. Um, I think Kyler Murray is the real deal. This team is the real deal. I think they're legit, and I think at home, um, you know, they've proven to beat great teams at home, like the Seahawks. Uh, I think the Bills, uh, they'll keep up with the Cardinals, but at the end of the day, Murray is going to, he's too elusive, I I believe, for that defense. And um, Tredavious White, I think, is questionable for this game on the Bills' defense. And he is a top corner in this league. So, without him, it's going to kind of be tough to guard DeAndre Hopkins, along with the other young receivers that they have, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, too. So, it'll um, it'll be tough for the Bills to stop Arizona and Kyler Murray. I agree. I
0: think that I'm going to take the over. I think two and a half is not enough here. I think they'll win by maybe seven. Um, but I agree. I think Kyler Murray is really starting to roll now. And so I'm going to give this to the Arizona Cardinals at home over the Bills, who have played very well this season. I mean, seven and two is obviously no record to, you know, wave a stick at. Um, And the Denver Broncos are going to the Oakland Raiders. uh, Excuse me, sorry, not the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, And Vegas, listen, it happens. Vegas is four point favorites in this
1: game. Who you got? I'm going to go with Vegas um, because I believe in Gruden's coaching staff. Um, He has done a phenomenal job coaching this team. You know, I think ever since he came here, he has – he really turned the franchise around. Yeah. And I I think that him being there, his presence, it just says something about, um, you know, his ability to – coach teams to wins. I don't think the Raiders have a tremendous amount of talent, but it just shows you how good of a coaching staff they have. So I think Thank they will record. win and uh, they'll go to six and three. And I also think I also it's um, wow.
0: amazing, amazing how much a year can change things. Cause last year it seemed like the John Gruden experiment was failing and you know, he was gonna get ridden out of Vegas on a you know, a rail. Um, Derek Carr was crying and there were stories about how his teammates didn't like that he was crying and he wasn't tough enough, blah, blah, blah. And now they're like I think his job is decently secure in Vegas. Um, moving on to the next game, we had the Chargers at the Dolphins. Chargers are two and six, the Dolphins are five and three. The Chargers have lost back to back games on disallowed touchdowns that would have won the game um, had they not been disallowed. And so do they finally get a touchdown that is allowed and win this game? Or do the Dolphins get the job done at home down in South Beach?
1: I think this is going to be a shootout. The Dolphins have um, a very good team. A very good defense, but Justin Herbert is the real deal. He has the it factor, uh, even though they're not winning. Um, I believe they found the quarterback. He is, He's really good. Uh, Tua, on the other hand, also good. Um, you know, only played a couple games so far, so hasn't proven too much yet. But, you know, it's a battle of the rookie quarterbacks right here. This is something to watch for. I think Miami comes out of here victorious because of their defense. But I think it'll be a shootout.
0: I disagree. I think the Chargers get the win here and go to three and six, finally getting a win that they can have for more than a five-minute review. Um, The Seattle Seahawks, six six and two record, go to – Los Angeles to face the Rams this weekend. Uh, the Rams are 5-3 and three this season. The Rams are two-point favorites in this game. Who you got?
1: Seattle. They got too many weapons on offense for that Rams defense to stop. And I think um, they will come out on top. And uh, I believe that, you know, coming off the loss, Russell Wilson's hungry for a win. Uh, DK Metcalf has shown that I don't think yet that he's the best receiver in the league, but I think one of these days, maybe in a year or two, he's going to be the best receiver in the league. He's so good. And his talent, you know, equates his size, six, three, two, whatever, 240, 230. He's a monster. So I think um, at the end of the day, they have so many weapons on offense. Russell Wilson, in my opinion, he's a front-runner or at least top three for MVP candidate. They come out of there with a win.
0: I agree. Um, I think that the Seahawks are going to win this game. I'm not going to say big, but I'm going to say they're going to win this game comfortably. Um, and so the next game on our schedule here is the 4-5 and five Niners go to the 6-2 and two Saints. The Saints are 10-point favorites, and I think the Niners are going to get gashed. I mean, I think this is going to be an easy walk in the park for the New Orleans Saints. Do you agree with me, Joe?
1: I don't know about easy, but I would say that they're going to come out with a win. Uh, the Niners still have a pretty solid defense, uh, despite all the injuries. But I do think the Saints are going to come out of there with a win, move on to 7-2. and two, And the Saints, man, listen... All these past few years, people have been saying they've been robbed, bad calls, you know. Should have been to the Super Bowl a couple of times. If they get rolling, they got another shot at doing that, so.
0: Yes, sir. So, we'll see what happens there. Um, the Bengals face the Steelers. Do the Bengals give the Steelers their first loss of the season? I know the Bengals um, – or, excuse me, the Big Ben is eligible to come off the COVID list today. I haven't seen that they have taken him off yet, um, but we'll see what happens with that. So, do the Steelers go to 9-0 or do the Bengals give the uh, go to 3-5-1 and one and give the Steelers their first loss of the season?
1: I think the Steelers are going to run over the Bengals. Their defense is too good. They're going up against a good rookie quarterback. Joe Burrow's good, but First year in the league, this is going to be his biggest test by far the season. Steelers are the best defense in the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball really well, better than he has in a while. Um, so Steelers are going to go to 9-0. I
0: agree. Uh, I think that this is the best Steelers team in a long time, um, as you said, and that the Steelers are going to beat Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now we have these six and two Ravens at the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots are three and five. The spread is Baltimore by seven. This is Sunday Night Football. Do the do Cam Newton, the New England Patriots, show out on Sunday Night Football, or do the Ravens tear them up?
1: I'd say the Ravens will win. Won't tear them up. I think they win comfortably. Um, the Patriots, you know, obviously without Brady, they're not the same and they have no weapons on offense either for Cam Newton. So, you know, I think this season, um, they'll win a couple more games, but I think it's a wash. It's just a transition for the Patriots at this point. Uh, that's not going too smoothly and the Ravens, Lamar, they'll, they'll go in there and win and they'll go to seven and two.
0: I agree completely.
1: I think this
0: is the worst Patriots team since Brady took over, I'd argue, um, and that the Ravens get the win here. And then now Monday Night Football, the final game that we're going to talk about today, the 3-5 and five Vikings go to the 5-4 and four Bears. First of all, I'm just going to say, what a terrible Monday Night Football game. What a boring, crappy Monday Night Football game. Uh, the Vikings are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road here. So, who you got?
1: I'm going with the Vikings. Davin Cook has been running over defenses like it's a lifestyle. He really, my opinion, I think he's the best running back right now in football, besides, uh, (laughs) no, I'll take him over Kamara right now. He's that good. He's carrying that offense. I mean, Kirk Cousins is not carrying them. He's carrying them to any sort of victory. And I think that in Minnesota, Vikings, are going to go with the run game as usual. And the Bears defense is good, but I think the Vikings will sneak out of there with a win.
0: Um, I think you're crazy to call Dalvin Cook the best running back in the league. I think Alvin Kamara is better than him. Um, But I think it it is an argument that people can make. I disagree with it, though. Um, And I'm also going to go with the Vikings to get the win here.
1: It's not crazy. By any means. It's not crazy. And and I think that a lot of people would say he's the best running back in football right now. With the numbers he's putting up. He he's ca- so Kamara has how many more other weapons on the offensive side? Dalvin Cook has Kirk Cousins and Adam Dillon. That's true. So.
0: Um, and so Thank you very much for joining us here. This has been Max O'Neill alongside Joe Tedesco. So thank you very much again for joining us. We will be back probably Monday or Tuesday of this week. We'll be back. So quick turnaround on the pods now. We're trying to get it quicker out than we have the last three weeks off this break, this little vacation from the pod. So please let us know what you think. And tell all your friends about it. um, Yeah. And so thank you for joining us this week. Thanks, Joe.
1: No problem guys. And thank you for joining us. Welcome back.
0: Thank you.